Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. Yesterday, we began looking at a conference message that was given by Gordon B. Hinckley, who at the time was the first counselor in the first presidency. And as I mentioned yesterday, Gordon B. Hinckley would eventually become the 15th president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He was speaking to a group of men at this priesthood meeting. It was held on a Saturday night in April of 1990. And he is talking about two credit cards. He holds up a regular credit card that we would all be familiar with. But then his other quote-unquote credit card was his Temple Recommend. And that's what we're talking about this week. What is the Temple Recommend? Why is it so important to Latter-day Saints? And what happens if you're a Latter-day Saint and you don't happen to qualify for a temple recommend. As we're going to see, not doing so comes with a lot of serious consequences. Gordon B. Hinckley says in this talk, to secure a temple recommend, the receiver must also have demonstrated his eligibility, and that eligibility is based on personal worthiness. Once granted, it is not in place forever but must be reissued each year. Furthermore, it is subject to forfeiture if the holder does anything which would disqualify him for its privileges. Now, we should explain, if you're not familiar with how this works, that members of the LDS Church, if they're hoping to get a temple recommend, need to be interviewed by their ecclesiastical leaders. There's a statement made by David B. Haight. David B. Haight was a Mormon apostle, and in a conference, he gave a talk called Come to the House of the Lord. You can find this message in the Ensign Magazine, May 1992, on page 15. What does David B. Haight say there, Eric? We examine our worthiness to enter the temple in our annual Temple Recommend interviews with priesthood leaders. Our signature with theirs on our temple recommend testifies of our worthiness to enter the temple. How important it is to be completely honest with our bishop. To be less than completely honest with him about our worthiness creates a breach of integrity, which compounds the seriousness of concealed sins. Now, let me just throw something in here for a minute, Eric, because he is mentioning the complete honesty that is necessary when a Latter-day Saint has this interview with their, in this case, a bishop. And only by answering the questions correctly are they going to qualify for this much-prized temple recommend in order to go to a temple. And it could be any temple that the church owns throughout the world. It's not just for specific temples. But when he talks about this worthiness, I find that many times Latter-day Saints tend to give the impression that because they've qualified for a temple recommend, that that also means that they have qualified for celestial exaltation. But yet, when I ask a Latter-day Saint specifically if they were to die right now, 
Do they have the assurance that all their sins are forgiven and that they would receive the best that their God has for them? There's always a hesitation, and many times they will not answer yes to that question. So it makes me wonder, why would a Latter-day Saint equate having a temple recommend with also being qualified for celestial exaltation, especially when you ask them specifically if they know for sure they're going to receive exaltation? And just because they have a recommend doesn't seem to guarantee the right answer for that. Why is that? Could it be because they know that when they're answering questions to the bishop, even though they're supposed to be completely honest, the bishop does not have the ability to know what's in their heart. The bishop does not know what secret sins this individual might have that would prevent him from getting that recommend. But when they stand before Jesus on Judgment Day, could it be they know he knows what's in their heart. He knows their secret sins, and maybe that's why they're hesitant to give you that affirmative answer that they know for sure all their sins have been taken care of, and they do qualify for celestial exaltation. As you know, Bill, I like to go out in the streets of Utah and hand out copies of The Miracle of Forgiveness by Spencer W. Kimball. And one of the things I like to do is very similar to what you are talking about, because uh, I'll offer the book for free to people passing by, and people will say, I've already read it, or I already have it. And then I ask this question, are you doing everything that Spencer W. Kimball said you're supposed to do? And that's where the hesitation happens in my conversation, because I hear a lot of excuses. Uh, I'm trying, I'm doing my best. They know that on page 25, Spencer W. Kimball lists over 80 things that you cannot be doing, and then he has a disclaimer in there. If you find a loophole, add that one in there as well, basically is what he says at the end of that list. So I think most Latter-day Saints know that they're not doing everything they're supposed to do. So you could say then, if our analogy is correct, our experience is correct in dealing with Latter-day Saints, it would be wrong for a Latter-day Saint when he gets his recommend or he qualifies for this recommend that allows him to go into a, an LDS temple. It would be wrong for him to assume that he now qualifies for celestial exaltation. I would venture to say that a bishop or a stake president in the LDS church, if you were to ask them, does the one necessarily mean the other, they would say no. Could you say, though, if that's true, that thinking that, for a Latter-day Saint to think that that qualifies him, is a false sense of security? This, I, I would assume, is an area that we can delve into when we're talking with our LDS friends who may be temple-worthy, quote-unquote, that that doesn't necessarily mean they do qualify for celestial exaltation. So what's the point? What does it really accomplish? All it means is that you can go into a building that other members of your church cannot go into. Now, they would argue, well, yeah, but we can do work for our dead, and we can do all these other things and have the hope of getting into the celestial kingdom in the next life. But that's all it is. It's just a hope. It's not a guarantee. And just like the recommend has to be renewed, the Latter-day Saint has to really be searching their lives on a daily basis to see if they qualify. Because as we've already seen, it's all about doing things, being worthy, being eligible. These are key words that are used throughout this discussion when it comes to a temple recommend and celestial exaltation. It's not based on 
purely the works of Christ done on behalf of a believer. It's what you are personally doing and hoping to receive this quote-unquote gift that also has to be earned. And I know for us as New Testament Christians, this can be very confusing, but this is the way Mormonism operates. It may use words like grace, but they don't define those words the same way that we do. There certainly is an element of grace in Mormonism. It's this enabling power that empowers the individual Latter-day Saint to do the necessary works in order to hopefully get that forgiveness of sins. But forgiveness of sins for the Latter-day Saint does not come at the beginning of their spiritual journey. They hope to have it by the time they get to the end of their spiritual journey. And if they don't, they don't qualify for celestial exaltation, even though they may have a temple recommend. I, I think that needs to get across to our listeners that though that may sound a little complex, that's the way it operates in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Now, Gordon B. Hinckley, in this talk, Keeping the Temple Holy, is going to go on to say that eligibility for a temple recommend is not based on financial worth. He continues, that has nothing whatever to do with it. It is based on consistent personal behavior on the goodness of one's life. It is not concerned with money matters, but rather with things of eternity. When Hinckley says this, I, I've got to be honest with you, Eric, I kind of roll my eyes because... When he says that financial worth has nothing whatever to do with it, that's not really true. Now, sure, it, it doesn't mean that you have to have an income of over so many thousands of dollars a year to qualify. If that's what he's referring to, I think that's a silly thing to, to try to bring up. But it certainly does have something to do with finances. And so when he says that financial worth has nothing whatever to do with it, that's not totally true because tithing in Mormonism is absolutely essential if the Latter-day Saint hopes to receive celestial exaltation. There's no escaping this. There are far too many statements that have been made by LDS leaders to prove this. Let's just begin with this statement by Gordon B. Hinckley himself. And this was a message that he gave. It was called Opening Remarks that were given in October of 2005 in a general conference. And you can find this quotation on page four of the Ensign Magazine, November 2005. He said, every individual who qualifies for a temple recommend is also qualified as a faithful Latter-day Saint. He or she will be a full tithe payer, will observe the word of wisdom, will have good family relationships, and will be a better citizen of the community. Now, there's certainly nothing wrong with having a good family relationship and being a better citizen of the community. We're certainly not criticizing that at all. But notice that Hinckley says that individual who qualifies for a temple recommend will be a full tithe payer. That's the point we're trying to make. It does have to do with finances. You need to be a tithe payer and not a partial tithe payer because it was Lorenzo Snow who made the comment, a part of tithing is no tithing at all, no more than immersing only half a person's body is baptism. And that can be found in the teachings of presidents of the church. Lorenzo Snow, that came out in the year 2012 and begins on page 161. But before he gets to that statement that I just cited, Lorenzo Snow says more about this 
And Joseph Fielding Smith, who was the 10th president of the church, quoted Lorenzo Snow in a conference message that was given in April of 1940. And you can find this in conference reports, April 1940, page 97. What is the statement that Joseph Fielding Smith cited from Lorenzo Snow that puts Snow's comment more in a proper context? He said, how do you feel when you give a recommend to a person to come into our temples who pays no tithing, who only pays half a tithing? How will you feel after this? You will feel that you are taking a sacred responsibility in doing that which God does not approve. He has said that the man who fails to pay his tithing shall have no place among the people of God. Yet here are these temples erected by the sacrifice of the poor, and to give recommends to parties who pay little or no tithing? How can you feel to take this responsibility? I could not. Part of a tithing is not tithing at all in the eyes of the Lord that the Lord has revealed. Full tithing is absolutely essential, not only to get a temple recommend, in order to receive eventual celestial exaltation. You can see how the dominoes all have to be in order. And if you don't, then you're going to forfeit that hope of being exalted in the next life. If he can't qualify for it here and now, he most certainly will not qualify for celestial exaltation in the next life. But as I said earlier, just because you have the one doesn't mean you get the other. You have to live this celestial law, which basically is keeping all the laws and commandments that are necessary for the Latter-day Saint. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.